morning, everyone. The Mary Griffith Show is underway. I had iced Harvest Ridge coffee this morning from Refreshment Services Pepsi. It sounds like on Friday morning I will not be having iced coffee. So enjoy today, even though it's raining. Uh, today and tomorrow, warm and then bitter cold returns. Yucko, yucko. Well, it's Valentine's Day, and I don't have a Valentine's Day themed show, but I have two gentlemen here who put their heart into their work. Jim Sohn is the principal of Baldwin School. Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning, Mary. Glad to see you here. And Jason Fink is the principal at Rooney Elementary School, the Foxes. The Foxes, yes. Okay. Good morning. Welcome. Is this your first time on the Mary Griffith This is my first time. I'll be gentle. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the Quincy Public Schools. You guys come completely unprepared, but that's okay because principals are always willing to pivot and do whatever they have to do. So I guess... We'll start with uh, Jim Sohn, since you're experienced at my rapid-fire line of questioning. Right. We'll start with you. I like that. Um, and then you just listen and learn, Jason, and try to improve, okay? I'll try so, to take some yeah, notes, Jim. Take some notes. So, Jim Sohn, uh, what's happening at Baldwin School? We are very much post-COVID now. Back to normal, whatever that is, when you're dealing with uh, K through fifth graders, whatever normal is. So how are things going? It's going very well. When you say post-COVID, I think that just within this last year, we're really starting to open back up to pre-COVID where we're having quote-unquote normal involvement from families, uh, parents coming in, getting to see the building, you know, that some of them hadn't seen it in a couple years. They had students have gone through. And so it's really starting to feel like we're coming together and, and bringing more uh, community and family into the culture of the building. Okay. What about you, Jason Fink? I mean, how are things at Rooney? Uh, things are going really well, yeah. I think t- parents want to be back in the buildings. Uh, we've seen that this year. They're excited. Um, we've tried to invite them back with several activities and events in the building and uh, this year like our attendance at those events has just been really really great so i think we've seen that parents are ready to get back involved and get back in the building and and see what their children are doing i think one thing and i've said this before one thing that uh being at home taught parents was that maybe not as easy to teach their (laughs) little loved ones as they thought it would i think a lot of times parents want to blame the teacher when their kid can't learn and you know it may be uh a, a legitimate problem, maybe the child has dyslexia or maybe the pro- child has a learning disability, but it also may just be they don't do what they're supposed to do. And parents became aware that it wasn't, read your science book. I don't want to. <laughs> the same problems that teachers have every day, right? I, I was um, more appreciative of my teachers <laughs> when I tried to teach during, during COVID. So yeah. we do appreciate our teachers, absolutely. Let's talk about those teachers. Um, there is still a teacher shortage. So uh, we'll start with Rooney. How are things at Rooney? Are you up to full strength? Uh, If you're not, where are you? Could you use some more help? So we are full staffed right now. We we just got there um, right after the Christmas holiday. So so. the whole semester. Yeah, and uh, and so we I think our partnership with Quincy University with with Quincy Public Schools is really amazing. Um, There were some early graduates uh, this December, and we were able to get some great hires there. And uh, paraeducators is always a position that we're always looking for need in our district. Um, they're kind of the unsung hero a lot of times. Explain what that is. A paraeducator is someone who's more one-on-one, right? Sometimes one-on-one, sometimes working um, with a group of kids, um, sometimes maybe in a specific special ed setting. 
Um, but they're really like the right hand of the teacher in a lot of different that situations. That extra pair of hands, that Absolutely. extra attention if that child or group of children needs it. And some children that are mainstreamed in regular classrooms may have some physical or emotional needs that if those aren't being net met by a paraeducator, it's disruptive to the rest of the Could class. Could be, sometimes, yes. So paraeducators are very important. They are extremely important. Well, what are the qualifications to be a paraeducator? I mean, why is there such a shortage? What, do you have to have a teaching degree? Not a teaching degree, no. You can get a paraeducator license with, um, I think it's 60 uh, credit hours. Um, if, if you don't have that, then there's a, te- there's a test, a uh, work he's test at John Wood, uh, I think helps administer. Um I think it's just, um, you know, finding the right fit. Like, it's it's a tough job, but it's a rewarding job. It's and probably one of the tougher jobs in the sense that you are automatically paired with children that you know have problems, whereas a teacher starts the year and he or she will quickly ascertain who needs more help or who might be like a, a chatty Kathy or, you know, they'll start to learn their little personalities. But uh, some of these children have some very specific needs, and the paraeducator can really focus in on that and keep those under control. Absolutely. And I think it's it's really rewarding. It's going to be a really rewarding uh, career choice for someone. Unfortunately, not the biggest salary. That's also part of the problem. That's not your job, though, to figure that out, right? We're working on it, though. Quincy Public Schools, we're always working on it. How are things at Baldwin, Jim Sohn? Are you guys up to full staff? Uh, yes, we're pretty close. It, it pretty took close us a is while. not up to full staff now. Well, See now how you evaded that question? Y- you know, it, Don't do that, I'm going to jump back thing. on the paraeducators because <laughs> we did... Uh, have a rough year last year trying to fulfill the paraeducator spots. And part of that was we housed the autism program for the mm-hmm. district, and we had several retirements and people leave for other jobs. So uh, that particular job with the high communication disorder does take somebody that really wants to be working with those students. And we think we've done a fabulous job of finally filling those roles for our paraeducators in our autism program. Um, with that, though, we had an autism teacher leave us at Christmas time, so we had to combine two classrooms, and we'll be searching as we move forward for another teacher for next year. But we kind of pivoted, and, and we're very, very thankful for our teachers and the people that are filling those paraeducator roles in that autism program because they've really come together. They're a great family for us. Um, we also have filled, we were three short paraeducators at the beginning of the year in the other classrooms. Uh, not in the autism program, and we've got those all filled, too. We've got the right people in the right place. So paraeducators' positions are pretty close to being filled with us. Uh, We're just kind of waiting now for if we need another one for our autism program as we've lost a teacher um, in that role. Uh, Teacher roles, we also had a teacher that left us between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so we had to scramble and... uh, sub that out for a while, but at Christmas time, we're very fortunate to have somebody that had some teaching experience here in uh, the Quincy District and uh, brought her back at uh, right at, after Christmas, and, and that's really been a big bonus for us as well. Well, I know recruitment is foremost on the mind, especially of your superintendent, Todd Pettit. He went to a casual um, get-together with the new uh, president of John Wood Community College, and instead of it turning into like a nice social gathering where they were just meeting to get to know about each other, uh, Dr. Renfro mentioned his wife is a school teacher and uh, is not, of course, yet employed in Quincy. And I think Pettit, you know, practically, uh, you know, tackled him and said, "We must have her," and put his hand behind his back until he promised that she may come to work with the school system. So, teachers, you know, teacher shortages are a problem, and I guess that's what I want you guys to 
help understand, because we're talking today not just about Quincy schools, but about all schools. They're all experiencing some form of the problem you're mentioning. And I think to put it in perspective, when I go to a fast food restaurant, I have to stand in line for a long time, or I'm in the drive-through for a long time, or even worse yet, I don't get my french fries, then I ordered them. How frustrating that is, and that's just me wanting to fill my belly. Think about how frustrating it is when you don't have all the tools you need, yet you still open your doors, you're still serving children. Autism especially, or some kind of physical disability, is a very specific thing to have to deal with. Yet, Rooney and Baldwin and all the schools all across the tri-states are open, whether they have the amount of staff they need or not. So, you're, you have to do it. You've got to do it with what shows up, right? That's right. That's right. And so, so be a little bit patient, and that's where I mentor in the schools, and I just really encourage everybody, if there's anything you can do, you don't have to have a degree in psychiatry or a Ph.D. in math to help, you know, kids. They mostly need somebody to read with them and to check their spelling and to work on their math and very, very uh, low-level things that most of us can do. So let's talk a little bit about um, we're coming into, is it testing season yet? When is that going to start happening? Do you guys still use MAP? We do use MAP, yeah. Okay. So we just finished. We do that three times a year. We do it in the fall. Yeah. The fall, the winter, and we just finished our winter MAP testing season, and then the last one will be in the spring. But uh, we are coming upon uh, Illinois assessment of readiness testing season. Um, in the next few weeks, we're getting prepared for that with our teachers. Um, at Rooney, we'll be doing that after we come back from spring break. Okay. Same at Baldwin, same kind of time frame? Yes, and, and we just finished our second round of MAP. Our window closed last week, so this week, um, during our grade level common planning times, we're looking at the scores, celebrating, looking what new goals can happen from here to the third testing spot in, uh, in the May time frame. But, yeah, we're getting geared up for after spring break. It's time to take the state testing. To hunker down. Now, let's talk about that. Um, Obviously, and I love it, Tom Leahy, former superintendent, said nobody ever fattened a steer by, weigh, by weighing it. You know, I mean, you still, <laughs> uh, we are, you know, past COVID now, okay? But the effects of COVID may still be lingering. Maybe not. I'm not going to presume. So uh, how are the kids doing? How are these K through fifth graders doing when it comes to their basic uh, testing that you've, been, that you've been doing for them, Mr. Stone? The kids are doing well. I mean, we, we may be a little low, and it depends on the grade level, and it depends on, you know, we, we try to look at that. Was that. Were these kids ones that were affected by maybe some of these students were ones that stayed home and didn't come during COVID and tried to learn on the computer, uh, which was a completely different style? Or were they just, you know, products of that partial part of the year where we didn't come back at all? Uh, but for the most part, you know, kids are kids. They're pretty resilient. Uh, they're popping up. It's uh, we have kind of looked at, you know, some of them are coming in with different needs and different learning styles. So, I mean, I think that is a challenge for some of our teachers is to maybe try to match the different learning styles, which are several out there, with what you need to get accomplished. You need to know where they are so that you can do some intermediation because as they progress, you know, by the time everything is so critical. That's why we have pre-K even. That's why parents need to start working with their kids when they're two years old just on general vocabulary building. The, the longer they, the older they get, their st- brains are still very plastic. Everything is happening. It's not like, I'm in fifth grade. It's all over. I'll never get it, you know. But you've got to admit, 
when there are poor readers in first, second, and third grade, that's a red flag. But when there are poor reader in fourth and fifth grade, uh, Jason Fink, what happens there? I mean, what kind of conversations do you have? Because by that time in their life, the problem is if you can't read, you can't read a book about science. You can't read a book about sports. You can't read about uh, your favorite baseball player. You can't read. Uh, you're not going to be able to learn independently without somebody telling you something. Right. And so I think what we try to do is we try to identify those kids early through intervention. Um, and it starts as early as kindergarten. Um, and then in first grade, we have a wonderful reading recovery program with just some amazing educators that, that help us with some of our most struggling learners. Um, the goal is always to help those kids before they get to third, fourth, and fifth grade, before things become so difficult that they become frustrated. Uh, but sometimes that does happen. Um, and then through, like, the IEP process or through the intervention process, we're basically um, trying to teach those kids, okay, here's, here's the obstacle you need to overcome. Here's some skills that you can have to help you be successful as possible. Um, because we don't want kids to become frustrated when things are difficult. Uh, we want school to be enjoyable. We want them to learn. We want them to come every day. Um, and I think that's, we have such an amazing group of educators in Quincy Public Schools that whatever the need is for kids, um, we'll always problem solve it around it and uh, do what we can for them. You probably also have to do some intervention even with the parents. I mean, the parents have got to help these children. They can't all just happen in the school hours. Some of it has got to be done at home and you know how big of a struggle is that to get some parents on board we that's always i think been a been a struggle um coming back from covid that's been one of our big emphasis is getting uh, that parental involvement back um teaching parents what you can do at home um when kids are on grade level reading and then when kids maybe aren't on grade level reading um what activities you can do we do a lot of that through our parent involvement nights um, through our, some of our interventionist um, communication. Our PTOs are great outlets of communication for us. Um, they help a lot with that. Um, and what we're seeing coming back from COVID is parents are, are wanting to be more engaged. They're wanting to help their kids, and that's a fan, fantastic. They're starting to realize that being a teacher is very difficult. Any help they can give you is absolutely okay. We are talking today with the principal at Baldwin School, Jim Sohn, and the principal at Rooney Elementary School, Jason Fink. And we're going to take a break and be right back. And remember, even though we're talking about things somewhat specific to the Quincy Public Schools, these kind of conversations are happening at schools all across the tri-states. Uh, they're not experiencing anything that no other high school or elementary school principal isn't experiencing. So uh, if you've got a question, give us a call at 223-9300, 1-800-228-WTAD. Today we're talking about the Quincy Public Schools. Jim Sohn, the principal of Baldwin, and Jason Fink, the principal of Rooney, are here. Two men. Now, let's talk about that. Uh, in the olden days, you could be a secretary, a teacher, or a nurse. And then once you got married, you couldn't be any of those things because you were expected to stay home as a woman and uh, not dare, you know, not dare. One of my girlfriends, she just passed away. She got married and lied to her boss mm -hmm. because if she'd have been married, she would have had to quit her job at a bank. I mean, this was obviously, you know, 50 years ago, whatever, 60 years ago. She finally had to come clean when she got pregnant. She had to say, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to quit because... She didn't even think, you know, can I have maternity leave, you know, what's going to happen? No, it's like you can be a nurse, a secretary, or a teacher, 
but many of those things you cannot do and be married. So now we sit here with two men in what uh, maybe years ago was still a traditional role because men were always administrators. How are we doing on getting men, women, blacks, Latinos, name your favorite minority, uh, redheads, whatever, how are we doing in attracting people that look like the students to be teachers in the classroom? Start with you, Mr. Sohn. I think we're doing a good job. I mean, I think QPS is recruiting and they're putting out the message, you know, anybody, especially local, hey, if you want to go after that dream, become a teacher, get into our buildings, repair educator, I mean, I think we're really putting it out there that we need you to be the role models for the students that we have, um, no matter what, like you said, color, size, shape, whatever it is. And, and so kids can see people that they admire and they look up to in the neighborhood or at home. What about you? So I think what Quincy Public Schools has done really well the last few years is we're really trying to grow our own educators. Um, and really at Quincy Senior High, that starts with Mr. Steinke. Like they've got some uh, classes that are identifying um, students at an early age. Like if you're interested in being a teacher, we've got a spot for you here in a couple of years. Um, and I think that's really provided us some great benefits and dividends um, because we want we want our our own to come back and uh, help us educate in Quincy, and that's happening right now. So I think we're, we're doing a good job. What about the male as a teacher, as a role model? Um, is it? Do you have any male? Do you supervise male teachers, either of you, at the K through five level? Yes. Yes, we have some at Rooney too. Okay. So how? I mean, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. If you're a redhead, you understand what it's like to be different, you know. So you'll always carry that with you, you know, whatever. But how important is it, especially in a day's day, today's day and age when many homes are broken and that male role model is not there when that child is home at night, how critical is it also, and I don't want to put too much burden on men, like you have to carry it all on your shoulders, but mm-hmm. how critical is it to see a man performing in a, you know, upright righteous manner how important is that for k through five students it, it's very important and you know whether it's the female or the male that are in the teaching role i mean you're a role model so when you sign up to be a teacher or a para you're looked at differently you know you're you're measured differently your, your standards are held differently because you are the role model for those students uh, we have more and more males now at Baldwin, which is good to see, and some are in the SSFL or student support role, and some are in the teaching classroom role. So um, it's becoming more in the building, but you know, obviously there's, there's many more females that are in the roles um, still as it used to be. Um, but once again, it doesn't matter. I don't think you know that it, it's neat for our children to see both the male and the female there, but whichever role, it's still very important that you um, realize that, you know, like it or not, that's a high standard that we live up to because those young students are looking up to every move we make and everything we say. What about you, Jason Fink? Uh, we don't. I, at Rooney, we just have a couple um, male teachers. Um, I think in elementary school, it's still primarily a lot of um, females and a lot of women in elementary school. As you get maybe to junior high and senior high, there seems to be a few more males. Um, so I do think that's that's an area that we're always looking at when we post a position, you know, trying to get that best quality applicant, but um, there's just not a whole lot of male elementary teachers, um, and that's been that way for a while. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the stereotype, and of course the reason it's a stereotype is because it somewhat rings true. What about African American? 
Uh, we have such a low African-American population, and yet it's so important that, like you said, kids see somebody who looks like them Absolutely. at some point in the day. So do you have any African-American teachers that you supervise? Yes, we okay. do. Okay, you too? Yeah. Okay, great. What, um, when this whole new K-5 through scenario was rolled out with all these great brand-new schools, of course, you didn't get a real brand new school, did you? Poor Baldwin. Three quarters of its Three quarters of its new. Okay. <laughs> it was supposed to be, yeah, we're not really neighborhood schools anymore, but we're going to make sure everything is equal. We're going to have the same percentage of poor kids, the same percentage of, I don't know, kids that wear eyeglasses, the same percentage of kids that like to play the flute. We're going to really try to make it across the board as homogenous as we can, whether you walk into Rooney or Isles or Denman, you're going to see kind of the same conglomeration of Quincyans. It's been a couple of years. Mr. Fink, is it working? Um, yeah, I think so. And, and I think what we, we do have a lot of kids that move. Um, we have a very, that's part of the problem. Yeah, it's hard to keep it equal when everybody is, moves around. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of every year, um, elementary educators, um, and administrators, like we look at kids transferring from building to building and that's always something that we try to keep in the back of our mind to make that opportunity for all kids as equal as possible um, so that everybody can be successful. Um, but it is challenging at times uh, when you have um, many kids move in and out of your school district and in your school building throughout the year. There's, You know, it's so funny. We fought these big fights to desegregate the schools, and yet in some ways we ourselves segregate the schools. There are people who say, well, X is better than Y, so I'm going to do everything I can to get my kid over to X. Now, whatever they're basing that on, it's largely anecdotal. You know, maybe their girlfriend's children had a great experience at Rooney. So they think Rooney is the absolute best elementary school in Quincy, and they're going to do everything they can, you know, figure it out, babysitters, grandmas, whatever they're going to do to try to get them in the Rooney district. Are you seeing, after several years have gone by, you guys hear the talk, is there the gossip, at least, that one elementary school is better than any other? I, I don't hear, hear that. Um, I think that the administrators in Quincy Public Schools, especially the elementary administrators, like we're all supportive of each other, um, and we collaborate several different times um, through the month, and um, we want, at Rooney, we want Baldwin to be successful just like we want Rooney to be successful because if Baldwin's successful, then that's Quincy Public Schools because we'll share kids back and forth. So um, we don't try to compare each other. Um, you know, we're all a K-5 elementary school uh, district uh, at Quincy Public Schools, so I don't hear those things. And I don't either, and I think, you know, Teco Jason is – is we're really working uh, with our curriculum leaders to make sure that each grade level is following very, very closely to what the curriculum map and guides say. That way, if they do, because we do have the transients that come from one school to the next and a couple times throughout this course year, we want to make sure that they're receiving the same thing. Now, each building obviously has, has its own culture, and they're growing their cultures. I mean, we're into year four in our building, and I think Jason's year five mm -hmm. in his. And it takes a while to grow a culture, you know, and, and people change in that time. And, and once you start feeling like, hey, we've got the right people in the right place, and, and, and then now it feels like, you know, it doesn't matter who comes in our doors. I think each building um, values the culture they have, and each building's a little bit separate, but we're all trying to do the same thing for our kids. And like Jason said, we do communicate, and we do have a lot of people. 
Occasionally you'll get that one to call and say, well, I want to go to so-and-so school because my friends are there or because I didn't have a good experience with this teacher there. So I, you know, But we, we try to you know, smooth things over and really think things are different today. So come on in and give it another shot and, and check out for yourselves. Invite those families in that may have a situation where they don't want to go to one school versus the other. But those are very few anymore. Well, you have to have school pride. I mean, and that's the great thing about young little minds. I remember years ago, uh, Bear, I was a mentor at Barry Ann School, and then they started talking about how you're going to be going to Baldwin. And this one little boy was just crying, I don't want to go to Baldwin. I love Barry Ann. I don't want to go anywhere but here, you know, which is wonderful that he's so attached, but you must move on. Do you each have a little spirit song or something that you do? How do you, how do you, uh, you know, make... Rooney, Rooney, and how do you make Baldwin, Baldwin? Is there something that you do that makes those, even though, you know, you're trying to be equal in, in academically and everything, like you said, but each school has a different character, different mascot, different, uh, you know, just a different physical coloration of the schools and the way they are. How do you, we how do not, you build pride? We have not developed that spirit song yet, so to say, but uh, we, I think we all have similar with the PBIS, what our expectations are, and we use some of those, some of that language, some of that lingo, and yes, proud to be a flyer. And, and, and more recently, since Dr. Pettit's taken over, it's, you know, it's that Blue Devil Pride. So Fridays is Blue Devil, so we're, we're, we're all blue part on, of that family, which kind of pulls us Friday. together. For, yeah. um, and then we have T-Shirt Tuesday. So Tuesday at Baldwin is bring out your Baldwin T-Shirt and celebrate that. And, and similar we, things happen at Rooney, I yeah. yeah, Yeah. Okay. And each, so. I think each elementary school does have a little bit of its own identity, but well, you've got I, your own little mascot too. We have our own little Everybody mascot. Has the cutest little fox. We're, we are the cute. we are the foxes. But I think, as Jim said, like we're all prepping kids to be blue devils. That's and, the key, and yeah. part of that is you're going to graduate. Absolutely, boy, you guys are really setting them up that they are blue devils, even though they're foxes and even though they're flyers, they're going to be blue devils, and it's something that they should aspire to. And uh, Dr. Pettit brought me a, a little sign to put in my yard that says, we wear blue devil blue on Friday. Somebody stole my sign. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up for about three months, and one day I came home, where's my sign? I don't know. It's gone. So he's promised to get me another one. We'll take a break when we come back. We'll talk about uh, what it's like to be the principal of an elementary school. Uh, we'll be back in a moment. We're back, Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's been delightful to get a look inside what it's like to be a principal uh, at an elementary school. We didn't ask any questions about, like, what's the number one complaint that brings them to the office. I remember when, you know, you uh, didn't erase the chalkboard enough, you know, and didn't clap the erasers hard enough, you might get sent down to the <laughs> principal's office. And now it's like, oh, they're carrying a gun and methamphetamine. Is that is that serious enough to go to the principal's office? You know, it, it, things have changed. But by and large, you're there to guide and to, to kind of coalesce some kind of uniform behavior and everything. Um, what would you like everyone listening to know about specifically K-5 through education, not just in Quincy, but everywhere? What are, what are you trying to do? What's your end goal? I think maybe not just K-5, but all of education is we have to teach the whole child. So realizing, you know, when that child comes in, helping them set goals, helping them realize they are individualistic. You know, it's not the world we lived in before where everybody aspires to, hey, I'm going to go to college and do the next thing after that. It is uh, we've got to pick them up where they're at. So if we can really build some confidence in the kids and the want to come to school and set goals 
and um, help them with their socio-emotional um, behaviors to really be a good person. And what's it like to be a good person? What's that look like? What's it sound like? You know, those types of things are very, very important in today's world. It takes more time to do that, Mary. I mean, you've got to lay that foundation along with, oh, by the way, I've got to teach all the academics and the things that they need to know. Uh, some of them aren't ready for those academics unless you can really get at the heart of building their confidence and wanting them to be at school. Yeah, and if they don't come to school, they can't learn anything. And I tell you what, listening to you there, uh, Jim Sohn, you would almost think you're talking to a private school principal, talking about being a good person, and that's the other line. You can't bring religion into something, but you can certainly bring moral values into something. And what is the American way of life in our American moral system, which is closely related to a lot of people's religious fervor, but is not exactly the same thing. What about you, Jason Fink? What do you want us to know about what you're doing in that K through five? It's so critical. I agree with what, what Jim had said. Like we, we really are hoping developing young people to be good people and be contributing members to society someday. Um, academics are important, but the social emotional need continues to be up front and foremost. And, and a lot of kids and, and teachers um, are experiencing that. Um, I think parents know that teachers care about their kids. Like we're all on the same team, um, teachers and administrators and cooks and custodians. Like we want kids to be successful. Um, and uh, it's it's a difficult job some days, but it's a rewarding profession too. How difficult is it, real quickly? And I'll just go with you, uh, Mr. Fink. You know, the teachers we we concentrate a lot on teachers, teachers, teachers. But that custodian, that lunch lady, uh, that person who maybe is working in the office, uh, that bus driver, that school crossing guard, whatever. There's a whole kind of system here. How important is everybody? Because we do concentrate a lot on teachers, and sometimes the person that may help you the most is somebody who's not a classroom teacher. You're absolutely right. It takes everybody to help students be successful, and so we've concentrated a lot on that in recent years around our PBIS, that um, the custodians and the cafeteria staff, uh, paras, teachers, office secretaries, um, it's all of our jobs to help students uh, be successful. And I know at Rooney and at Baldwin, like, everyone's taken on that challenge. Um, everybody pitches right in um, and tries to help kids in any way they can. And sometimes it's just with a kind word or um, giving some attention to somebody, and that may just change their day around a little bit to help them in the classroom. I would encourage people to volunteer at these schools. Now that we can get back in and we can volunteer, you know, then you'll see that they are encouraging, like, I like the way you're walking nicely. Mm. I like the way you're using your quiet voice instead of yelling at them. Sometimes you do have to correct. And you know who usually does some of that correction? Is that janitor in the lunchroom. That's the one that has to do some correction every once in a while. But if it can be done lovingly, everything works out okay. Thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate it. You guys join us again tomorrow. We'll be talking about the Quincy Civic Music Association.